Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Together, we welcome you to the Butterfly Forecast. Hey, Lauren. Hi. Showtime. <laughs> I feel like we already had a whole podcast before the podcast even began. That's because we had a conversation with friends. Yeah, that makes it the best. I mean, because talk just flows. Well, first of all, we all go so far back. All three of us have been sort of doing our inner work together. Mm-hmm. I met you when we were how old? I was like 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. And I'm older time. than you. So I was like 17, 18, yeah. I feel. And um, we met in an open mic. <laughs> At the Baha'i Center. At the Baha'i Center. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Crimson. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we started, Julie, you started coming out here and doing workshops and Lauren and I would come to your workshops and we've all sort of been on this path together and I can only speak for myself, but we've learned so much from you. Mm-hmm. And, you speak for me too. Yeah. Say that. And then I guess what leads us to this conversation was that A year ago, the three of us uh, co-hosted a little private, intimate gathering about death, Mm -hmm. which is so crazy because this was right before the pandemic. It was right after Kobe died and right before the pandemic. But we were all just talking about death. And I think that I was in such awe at you, Lauren, for, you know, your process and Mm -hmm all the stages of your grief and watching you through that and just really being in awe at your process. And Julie, you've had a near-death experience. You've actually been dead. (laughs) Also, I remember the day when Nip was killed, the three of us talked, which Mm. was also really surreal. Mm. So anyway, there's all these things, this like uh, sort of iconic things that the three of us have been there for together in the same way. And... Julia was like right before the pandemic and you, Lauren, and I had spoken and you said that you had a feeling that we were going to be dealing with death on a much Mm -hmm. larger scale, which is kind of crazy because then the pandemic happened and we were as a globe. So I would love to just sort of bring threads through of that conversation that we had in that night because it was so special. Also, Mm. I think we went to a death conference julie held uh um at your mom's house and the whole weekend was about death yeah and we were and this was before any of my personal such intimate experiences with it Mm. that we were at this do you remember that yes yeah i didn't remember until right now Mm -hmm. and julie held a um i don't want to call it a conference but Mm -hmm. a weekend on a workshop a workshop on just death I remember that now. I completely forgot about that, but it's so um, poignant and powerful that we've um, shared the three of us touchstones for years about things that led to that. And then it really caused the three of us to blossom in very unique ways. So I feel like this I'm just coming together today is a continuum, you know, of that. It's it's really nice um, to share what started a year ago that night 
at the evening where you shared about your experience, Lauren. And I wonder if you'd feel comfortable sharing a little bit about, I think so many people, they read the paper and they hear the news, but they don't know you and all the incredible things that were happening inside of you to prepare you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was always very... um a lot of our arguments was about time and time being spent. So maybe, you know, deep down in my spirit, I think the grasp of more time with him was because maybe I didn't, I knew that there wasn't going to be so much of it left. Yeah. So I always wanted, I always cherished every moment, you know, like, oh, we're in the car together. We're listening to music, this is the greatest day, you know, little things like that. I used to like, mm. and I would give him like the tightest hugs and he's like, ouch. But I was like, <laughs> you know, now I look, I was overwhelming with my affection and um, which I don't regret, which I feel like that's what they always say, like love on the people as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Because now I think about every time he was at a stoplight, I would just grab his face and, you know, <laughs> attack him with all this affection. But I don't know, maybe spirit knew that there wasn't, um, we didn't have that much time more on earth and that I was just like trying to soak up as much as I can. Absolutely. I think that that's what we're missing. I think that's why we look at death as so difficult or even the word morbid, because we haven't embraced it as part of life, that it's going to be attached to every life. And so we're trying to stop it or slow it down or go into denial about it rather than get in sync with it. You know, Lauren, the last time Melody and I were doing this podcast, she was bringing up this quote of James Baldwin's about that we have to earn our death. We have to earn our death. We have to live every moment, just like you're talking, Lauren, but you're talking about in the path of love. And that's what we need to do with the people we love. Mm -hmm. We know as soon as we have the language for it and we under we can comprehend it, that we're all going to die, right? And I feel like we have this feeling of, at least when I die, I'll be so, I'll be much older that it might not matter to me. I might not be aware of it. And I feel like this is like a delusion we have about death. So we pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it does. And I remember, I think I was talking to you after my own personal experience with death. And I was just like, I was crying. And I just, I couldn't believe this major shift that was happening in the universe. Because I felt the shift. Like I felt the earth shift with his departure. And I remember like, ah, and Melody said, I know it feels so final. It's like hard for us to grasp that, that we would our existence on earth will just be final. It'll be over. Mm -hmm. We have so much attachment here mm -hmm. that it's hard for us to grab. Yeah, I think, I think the really hard part about it for me too is more selfish because on some level I know that energy can't be destroyed, right? So whatever it is, that energy will move on. But I think it's the loss of yourself in relation to that person. Absolutely. Like, I remember when my dad passed away, I was like, whose princess am I going to be? Mm. You know, like, whose little girl am I going to be if I don't have that? Like, 
And I think it was like this, the loss of a role, like I'm never going to be that. Nobody's ever going to look at me like that. The way, like no man is ever going to look at me the way my dad looked at Mm -hmm. me or, and I'm not going to be that person to anybody ever again in that way. That's the really hard part. You know, I have a really good friend that lost her son, her 18 year old this last year. And I was like, God, I, I can't imagine not being a mom anymore to that kid, mm-hmm. you know, to like your kid. It's like, you just lost this role here. I mean, it's not a, a loss truly. I think it transitions, but I'm, I, even with her and her son, I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, you've been taking care of your son all these years. And it's so crazy to think about it, but I think on some level, he's going to be taking care of you now. Mm-hmm. It's like to even wrap your mind around that or to adjust or transition to this other reality that's not tangible, that you can't touch or feel or smell is so difficult because we're so concrete. Well, that's why the human experience is such a gift because Mm -hmm. if we are spirit and we are souls, that never dies, right? That's eternal. But the human experience is so special and we have to treat it as such because it is the one time you get to physically express your soul's desires, your soul's love, Mm -hmm. right? So we're here today. I can touch you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you transition tomorrow or I did, I, I would miss I get now I get to express my hugs and look you in the eye, right? Mm -hmm. But that if you leave, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna still have my connection to you. Right. But I think it's so beautiful to be able to express your soul's love physically with all of your senses. And that's why being human is really a gift. Totally. It's a and it's a great experience, right? Yeah. Well, and it's true because you and I have known each other for I don't know how many since we were 15, 17. And we don't talk a lot. We don't necessarily see a lot. But I think that our friendship was formed based on that connection. And I've never questioned it because Mm -hmm. that connection was real. And I feel like anybody that you actually have a connection with, you don't question that. You like you feel it anyway, because it's constant. Mm -hmm. And that's your thread that assures you that should you lose someone that you're really close to or who is your person or God forbid, you know, your family, we must know that not only are we eternal, but the love and the bond is eternal. Mm. And what you guys were sharing about that transition, like, you know, Lauren, you felt a shift happen after Nipsey's passing because it was so abrupt. And same with you, Smishy, when your dad left. It was so abrupt and you're like, well, who am I now? Who am I in this capacity? Who am I going to squeeze like this? Who's going to look me in the eye and look like this? Who's going to tell me I am this? But I think we need to start understanding that the real shift is that it's still there, but the mode of expression is unique, like through dreams and through your prayers and through your sense, you still sense them. You know, my sister, she passed, it just seemed so severe and she was young. So it goes against your brain, everything. It goes against reason. It goes against logic. But what's incredible is the way I connected with her here, I still connect with her there, but it's on her terms. (laughs) You know, 
And that's the shift. I think what we have to do is expand our, our ability to connect and not just grieve, but you can't skip that stage either. I think I really, I allowed grief to fully swallow me whole. I just was like, I'm not going to fight it. I just had to. And I think I did a deep, deep, deep dive in with my grief. I was really grieving and I just was there and I accepted it. I was just like, we're in the darkness and we're going to be right here with it. When you are cracked open from loss, there's a freedom to it because you're just open. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is it. I have lost everything to me. And now what? Uh, what divinely is next. And mm -hmm. I find myself that when I'm more connected with God, when I'm like more in prayer, more in my devotions, eating clean that I am, I dream about him more. I will have a whiff of scent and it's his. Mm -hmm. So I do definitely feel the essence still around me, you know, I'll, something really funny will pop up and I'll be like, that's only something he and I would laugh at, but that's only when I meet him at probably the level, like you said, on her terms, right? Um, it's only when I am at a certain level in consciousness that I'm able to even be clear on these little miracles throughout the day. You know, uh, that makes me think of something, you guys, the unusual part of my job that people taught me rather than me think that it's something I do is um, when people have come to me in a state of fresh grief. A big first part of that is always them saying, it was not fair, it's not right, something was wrong. I said that to you. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh my gosh, that I night. Day two, I was like, why? This, is, this was not supposed to happen. Yes. And I just feel such an awe when I say this, that in my entire life of working 30 years, I've never seen a single death that doesn't make sense if you look at their whole life and the fan of possibilities of how they were going to die anyway. And this is the most extraordinary thing. I'm going to tell you nine times out of 10, when a person passes, it was the most benevolent, the kindest, the gentlest time and way to go. Hmm. Isn't that incredible? Wow. Can you explain that more, yeah. Smushi? I mean, I can't explain it, but I can tell you what I observe about it. Hmm. And that is... Whenever I look, of course, I don't know what I'm going to see. I'm ready to give the sad or hard news and agree with them. But instead, I notice this beautiful timeline of the potential life this person was born, inherently born with. And then their passing happened at the kindest way because they were going to pass anyway. And with each passing increment of time, it was going to get more rugged. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, you know, recently, um, I, um, there's a little girl that I follow on, um, on social media, and she is battling. I think her mother was saying that the doctors gave her like a day to live. 
And I just cried so hard because I was like, well, why this precious baby? You know, why is she suffering in her, you know, and to my, I guess my question is, if that's the kindest way for her to go, it's hard for me to, because she's so young and so innocent. And Mm -hmm. like, what about her journey? Mm -hmm. That was really heavy for me as even in my own education on death and grief, it just broke my heart. Well, I think you're bridging a bigger subject, which is, I mean, and I cannot explain the mysteries of life, but uh, here's what I, I would say is equally important in everyone's life. Trust in the creator, trust in yourself, trust that we are all spirit and we are all going to be connected. You know, love is the, the bridge. Love decides where our connections will remain. But the thing is, there are mysteries. If we could figure everything out, why would we be here? Mm-hmm. Why would we need the experiment of life? Why would be in the we keep thinking this is the gallery when it's the workshop. Mm. But also, I don't want to imply, even though I've had near-death experiences and saw this very thing, that every life is its perfect lifetime. And yet, it's not just. Like, sometimes someone takes someone else's life. That is an injustice. That's not to say that was part of the plan. It's just that the plan accommodated free will from humans who are ignorant. Mm. No one could ever even imagine taking a life, much less do it, much less cause harm, much less hurt someone's feelings. If we really knew why we're here, Mm. it's just that the plan accommodates our lack of wisdom. And so like you're talking about the little girl, Lauren, My eldest son, we were, his first four years, we were in the ER constantly. He had a rare form of deadly asthma. And so we spent a lot of time at the hospital and sleeping over. And there was this one children's ward that because some of the children were terminal and it was long-term, the parents had to pace themselves. And so sometimes I would just go round up whatever kids were ambulatory and do story time. You know, my son, we would take his IV and we'd all go in this little library and I'd read stories. And there's this one little girl like you're describing and uh, she didn't have long to live. And it killed me every time. Like I wanted to envelop her with love. I didn't understand why her parents weren't there every second. And um, so one day I was just going down the hall to check up on her just because you know how it is when you get overcome And she was waiting for me. And she was sitting up in bed. Her little arms were crossed. And I was like, oh, I was just checking to see if you need anything or, you know, you want to talk. And she said, Julie, why are you so sad? And I got very teary, though I didn't want to with her. And she said, Julie, I already know the end is coming. I've always known. She's like, don't be sad for me. I'm finishing. I'm finishing what I came to do. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. And I've never forgot that. It changed the way I see tragedies, and especially with young people. And that didn't change me, like, worrying about my children, worried to death 
about my children every time they went for a play date, every time they went to school. I mean, I'm embarrassed to tell you that it didn't really affect me at all in terms of wisdom. But I do think we have to know that so that we can get the courage and see the bigger picture ourselves. Because you guys, don't you feel with the losses you've suffered that on some level you knew it and so did some others. Mm. Those who are closest to your loved ones, they also, they felt it coming. Mm. Yeah, I think it's that we don't want to. Yeah, uh, because it's so final in our minds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if you know something's coming, it's almost like you don't want to know it's coming. But I mean, we've, we all talked about this that night about how there are some people that are just so connected in themselves and of themselves that they prepare before they die. Mm-hmm. Like that they're so prepared, like for whatever reason they, you know, like fold their clothes or get their stuff ready or mm-hmm. get their affairs in order. And it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And when I think about it myself, like when I really think about it detached from the emotion or the projection I have about the view of death, I want to be like that so that I can prepare those around me or prepare myself or, you know, I, I want to be like that. Like, okay, I'm done. I finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the, the piece of it. Yeah. yeah. That I think that's a gift though as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unless it comes like out of nowhere and you're shocked by it, but the piece of, like I'm finishing, that's a gift, I think. I always had a very detached uh, relationship with death growing up. Mm -hmm. A lot of my grandmother died on my birthday. Like all my grandparents are gone. Um, My grandfather died tragically. He was burned to death. So it was always growing up. It was just always like, there was a lot of death around and then just growing up. In LA, a lot of boys I went to school with were dying. And by the time we got to high school, very violently. And, you know, so I always thought to myself, well, I'm going to die one day. It's okay. And then I had my first son. And then I didn't want to die so soon anymore. I was like, ooh, wait, no, I would like to stay here a little (laughs) longer with him you know, and then I would do workshops like Julie's and read about death. And it was like, you know, I understand spirit goes, spirit, this is a temporary moment. But then when you're faced with it mm-hmm. so intimately, it kind of challenge. it definitely challenges <laughs> all that you think you know about it, how you think you would handle it. And you don't know until you're faced with it. And mm-hmm. you really have to apply, you know, wisdom that you've hopefully have gathered until then so true i mean don't what do you guys think death is here to teach us about life who i have so much to where i think it teaches us as much about life as life teaches us about life they're like one in the same exactly do you remember that night a year ago on the evening about death People started opening up and sharing about their tragic losses. And every one of the people who came had suffered tragic losses, not typical losses, not someone dying of old age or, you know, a long journey with something. 
And remember someone shared, and this is so common, like they felt guilty about this person's death because they thought they were supposed to, in some way, they could have prevented it. Yes. Yes. And it was Mm -hmm. such a powerful earthquake, powerful moment. And then the Sushi, I think you asked me to look to see uh, what the story was behind it. And I noticed that actually that person was going to pass anyway. They were an adventurer. They wanted to pass. This was part of their quest. And so it was always a part of their story. Death was a part of their story. When you know that about a person, it gives you respect. Not a sense of tragic loss, but respect for them. Well, I have a question for you because there's that. And then, you know, you've said so many times that it takes no effort to die. Like living is actually much harder than dying. And there are so many things like I I remember even you telling me one time I was working with you in a session and you were like, be very careful because you're playing with death. And I remember all of a sudden having that awareness because you said it. And I think at the time, what I was going through was that I was having a hard time finding real love. Mm-hmm. And I was having all this success in my life, in my career. And I was like, well, what is it all worth if I don't have love? And just that thought alone of like, what is it all worth? was sort of bringing me closer to death. Like, why should I stay here if there's no reason to live? So where's that line between the danger of us having those thoughts where we allow ourselves to be open to disease or death or where we don't completely occupy ourselves and allow other things to come in that don't belong there. And then the people that are timed, like it is their time. Mm-hmm. You know the difference. Mm. Well, I mean, don't we have to know ourselves to answer yes. that? You have to know yourself. And every <laughs> spiritual walk, every single spiritual, like all the holy books of the earth, teach us. That's why we have to live our life with merit because death will come. You know, so we have to be accountable because death will come. But on the other hand, it's a refuge if your life is hellish. If your life is so hard and without refuge and without love and you've suffered infinitely, death is there as a messenger of joy. Mm. But here's the tricky part of that. I've noticed in my work that people who develop a morbid chemistry around their life, morbid depression, not just depression, Not just sorrow or grief or loss or difficulties, but morbid meaning death bound. That's smooshy why I was warning you. Mm. And when any of us get death bound, the brain orchestrates it. It's like, yes, boss, got you. And so that we only break down in the ways that we're vulnerable. So it's not going to happen like it would happen to somebody else. It's going to happen like it would happen to you. Mm. Wow. Wow. We have to be aware that life is sacred and that even when we suffer, even when we're struggling, and even when we haven't found love, that there's meaning and purpose to your life right now. And that doesn't mean love isn't coming. 
I love, I, I have quite a few friends who have been through 12-step programs for various addictions. And I just love this phrase that they have in 12-step program. And it's, don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. Mm. Oh my God. That is deep. Yeah, that's so real though. Oh my Lord. Mm-hmm. Lord, I feel the same way. That's why I remind myself of that when things are between a rock and a hard place. And Sometimes it's just your heart, right? It's just, it's not your mind having difficulties. It's your heart. Things happen here. I mean, gosh, you would think because I had near-death experiences that I am like a cross between, you know, Bewitched and Mary Poppins, you know? And (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, duh. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, I cry when I'm sad. I get sad easily. Things affect me deeply. And I struggle with other people's pain and my own as well, of course. When it hurts, it hurts. But I'm aware that if I go into that stage of morbidity, it's time for me to call a friend. Mm -hmm. Time for me to talk to a girlfriend and just, I call Smooshy and I'm like, "Mm." although with her, you know, just like it is Lauren, I think about you all the time and I only see you when I'm in LA in person, unless we're talking on the phone. But when you're connected to people from love, you already know something's up with them before they tell you. Mm, So true. (laughs) I have a question. As much as we have purpose here on earth, I really believe that we do. And then we transition and we die. Is there purpose for us in the afterlife as well? That's what you've been preparing for here and developing. Wow. Okay. But you're always going to be you. Melody's going to be Melody. You recognize your loved ones immediately because of the qualities mm-hmm. that they infused into you when you were with them. That's why you miss them so bad. Mm-hmm. No one can duplicate another person. Mm. No. You can have new love, but you can't have that love. No one can duplicate another person. That is so real. No. That's the good news too, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing that bugs me out about how we don't think we're special. You know, it's like when we're doing things like, oh, but anybody can do this. And it's so not true. I've never met another Melody. And I've never met another Julie. I've never met anyone that reminds me of you too. But that's why I prize you even more as priceless. You know, that's the truth. That's why I think we shouldn't waste what we've been given within. Like we have to pay attention to what we've been given and be about our business. And even if it's in things that are small, like I remember, Lauren, when um, I first was staying with Melody, when I'd come to LA, she, as you know, as she does with everybody, she generously offered that I stay with her because before Melody invited me out, I used to stay at other places or hotels or whatever. And she's like, why don't you just stay with me? And really, I'd not been a friend with a client ever. Mm. So I was like, but I broke you down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she persevered because I thought it was like too much work for her. I thought it would be too much of a burden. I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, 
no, that probably is, is going to be too much. And she was like, it's not going to be too much. It'll be fun, which was the beginning of a series of slumber parties. But I do remember the first time I stayed at our house in Silver Lake and the front, you remember, Lauren, like just the way it was, it was just like there's Big Shirley in the driveway and then it's sort of barren and you walk in. Next time I came, she had planted cactus herself. Mm. They were so beautiful. And she's starting to talk about cactus and she's talking about the color of cactus. And she's talking about like the design and when the sun sets and how they go like this. And when they started to bloom, and I was like, I didn't know that part of her. Mm. And that was always a part of her, but she didn't go to horticulture school. Mm. <laughs> but yet she really designed the most beautiful yard. And I was like, how does a person do that in rocks? Do they see that or, you know, anything? So I think we wouldn't waste what we've been given, like none of it or who we've been given. That's I almost bought you succulent today. Oh, no, I love the orchid. Oh, okay. But I, I was like, it. I didn't know that. That's crazy. I was, I was like, maybe not buy her. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yes. You just tune right in. Mm-hmm. And... Can you imagine if we all just minded our business and did what we came here to do, how incredible our every interaction would become? Mm -hmm. Every single one, every exchange. And I think people would be less fearful and less angry. How do you think we could not be so afraid to die? Because we are so afraid to die. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's such the unknown. So, uh, you know, I'm not asking the impossible, but more comfort around something that's inevitable. Mm. I mean, I really, I love the simplicity of life because every single person is endowed with the faculty to know the creator and to know themselves. And therefore, be in tune with death. Mm. I think if we really were in tune with why we're here and the creator on a daily basis, <laughs> instead of once in a blue moon, we would really have a sense of like our movement, our progress. And therefore, even for example, not death, but why do you think people are so afraid to age? Mm. Yeah, especially in LA. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say we don't have to go through adjustments. Lord, it's a big adjustment when you look in the mirror and you're like, wait a minute, what's wrong? <laughs> right. And there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is just what happens. Mm. But I also think it's exciting when you view it in the path of your purpose. Like All of a sudden you're like, I like this look. Wait a minute. I don't want to go back to being a teenager with acne. I don't want to go back to that. I want to embrace this. And Lauren, Melody knows, I used to bend her ear right off her head talking about my Auntie Rue who passed a few years ago at 105. Mm. And she just got cuter in her life. She got smarter and physically cuter well, and funnier. Her memory got clearer. If I told her something about Melody, months later, she'd say, and what's happening with Melody and that? Did that ever pan out? And what happened with that guy? And what happened with her store? Like she remembered everything. And I wondered about that. She never met her in person. 
Mm. I think we also have such a, a skewed view of how we're supposed to age mm-hmm. because we see like this decrepit, you know, like cast away kind of person. And, but every now and then I'll see an older person where I'm like, Ooh, like Cicely Tyson is such a mm-hmm. perfect example where she's so like, she just got more beautiful and you just saw her every time and you were like, yes. Mm-hmm. And you hope to age that way. And I, I think that's how we're meant to, but I think we've just built so much around us that doesn't support us. Mm-hmm. It tears us down rather than allow us to to like really keep ourselves. I think also though, it's the state of like consciousness and like how yes. you're taking care of your body temple. Totally. And so I think a lot of times, a lot of people that age, you're like, wow, why, they look so, you know, yeah. it uh, bad or, you know, for lack of a better word, it's, it's a lot of emotional depression, mm. a lot of regrets, a lot of, and then you see someone that's very vibrant in age, in their older age, you're like, man, we're, they're probably meditating, mm-hmm. they're probably eating the right food, they're probably surrendering and letting go of a lot. I think yes. a lot of things that we hold on to ages sooner than it needs to, yeah. you know? It's about health. Yeah. If you're healthy and vital, you are beautiful. Awareness too. Awareness is such a big part. Like, I mean, you were just talking about morbid chemistry. I never thought about chemistry in our bodies. The fact that our emotions create chemistry that then our body has to deal with. Mm -hmm. Like when we're sad, it creates sad chemistry in your body. And then your body then has to do something with that chemistry. And so being aware of when you're eating while you're sad, I didn't have an awareness of it until before. Then I started putting things together. I was like, oh, this is why I always crave this thing when I feel this way, or this is why I feel so bad after I eat this thing. And wait, I think I'm sabotaging myself right now because I know this is going to make me feel worse after why. Mm. You know, it's like having this new awareness or there would be inflammation or certain aches or pains that I just dealt with for so long because I just thought they were a part of me. Mm. Or I was like, I'm just like that until I had enough of an awareness about it to be like, wait, I don't need that anymore. And let me find out what's causing that and how I can support myself better to do that. And I never realized how big a spiritual practice actually has to do with clearing that chemistry out. It's an act, you know, like worshiping or surrender Mm. or or connecting to the divine or talking to friends or especially what you say, which is one of my favorite quotes, which is love is the only nutrient in the world that can be expressed. it's Mm. It's an actual nutrient that we get through expression. And that's just one level of awareness. And I think my personal goal is to have so much awareness so that I'm ready for death when it comes. Because mm. I, I think that's just another form of awareness of yourself. And it's kind of what we're talking about. Like this kind of theme today is not really just about death, but being in sync with life so that death is not such a surprise when it happens. And then that starts to apply to when you have a knowing anything. Are we afraid of what we know? And so then when it rolls around, we're going to freak out. Yeah. You know, because 
we're just saying, I tried, I tried to not do that. I tried to stop it from happening, but that's not possible. We have to embrace some things and know the difference between what we need to surrender to, like Lauren, you were saying earlier, what we should surrender to, or what is an opportunity to change because you have that opportunity. It hasn't happened. And if things happen anyway, oh my gosh, what an incredible opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's such testament to your process of grieving is, is also, it's so courageous to go deeper into that work to mm-hmm. see how you can stay alive after something you thought would kill you. you and it, it you did. There. It, there were pieces of me that left yeah. Earth too. And so there, and I felt it. I felt it. I was like, oh, I'm, there's, there's certain, I can't even look at older pictures. They're kind of hard for me to see because I'm so, that girl I felt left with mm-hmm. him. And so I remember not really seeing any reason for me to really be here after um, his transition. And I just was like, what am I, what am I here for? You know, because in my mind, you know, I would have been okay being, his woman, supporting him, raising the kids, very easy, simple, good night, goodbye. And so what his death brought up in me, because he had so much purpose that it stays now after his physical, you know, has left, that I'm like, well, there's a purpose for me too, clearly. Duh. You know, I'm still here. (laughs) But, you know, when you attach so much of your identity and um, fit, you know, so much of yourself into someone else's life or your life, just even your life, right? Mm. And if my life, it belongs to God, I I shouldn't really like attach my ideas on it so much, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, I think I battled a lot in the beginning of like, well, what am I doing here? What's the reason for me to be here? Why him? Why couldn't I have gone first? You know, I felt like I knew more about death. I would have been okay to leave. He really liked earth. You know, I didn't really like earth that much. And so I had all these thoughts, like I could have gone, you know, um, look how many people he's helping, you know? And so in my grief, I just kind of dealt with my, not necessarily my purpose, but like, I'm still so special to God, that there's something that he created me to do here Mm -hmm. and that it's not my time Mm -hmm. and that my time will come and then that'll be my time. But in the meantime, I'm supposed to be the vessel Mm -hmm. and that I just have been just surrendering to that. And my biggest prayer always is like, okay, I'm here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get it. I don't want to miss the mark. Please don't let me miss the mark. You know what I mean? And you know, that was really big for me in my, like, my process. Lauren, with everything you've gone through, is there something you wish people knew? Like, if you wanted people to know something about death? Mm. That's a good question. I wish that we were more aware of keeping the connection with the people that transitioned and that it's possible, you know, and this is a wish for myself too, that we embraced it more, that it isn't so morbid and that it isn't so 
that it doesn't feel so final, that maybe we see it in the way that God sees it. I pray this, that I have an overstanding of it, not just an understanding. Mm. I guess my wish would be that we would embrace that we can still hold relationship. It's just spiritual mm. afterwards. What about you, Smushi? Is there something you wish people knew? I agree with that. I agree with what Lauren said so wholeheartedly. You know, it's funny, today is actually the anniversary of my dad's passing. And I feel like he had such a difficult life that he wasn't really able to be present for me as a father while he was here. I, I could see that now. And um, I feel like he's been such a better dad, mm. an angel dad. You know, it's like, I just feel like I'm so much closer to him and I still go through stuff with him, which is crazy. Like dad stuff will come up for me all the time. And it still feels like a relationship. Of course, a different kind of relationship, but it's very much a relationship. And it's hard to describe because it's so abstract and it's so personal to me. It's like when you smell, like catch a whiff of a smell or you see somebody that looks like him or you feel him or you have a dream mm-hmm. where you know it wasn't a figment of your mind, but it was something else. It's something personally that I'm so, it's a relationship I'm so protective of because I don't care what people think. I know mm. I have a knowing of my, my relationship, not just with my dad, but with a lot of my ancestors. I mean, I think of all the people that I've come from mm. and that have an opportunity to support me or to work through me or to that I get to be the fulfillment of like things that have been done generationally in my family that I get to break the chain for, or that it's like, it feels like such a, a, an honor and a privilege to be in relationship with that always. And I think it's important if I didn't have that, I would feel lonely more Mm. often. Cause so often, you know, someone passes or just how my family has always been, has always done is that someone dies we go to the funeral, the funeral happens, and then that's it. And yeah. they put their obituary in, you know, somewhere on a bookshelf, and then that's it. And then they're rarely spoke about, you know, um, it's just like they died. That's sad. Let's not deal with it anymore. Where, you know, I'm teaching my kids to, when they miss him, to, you know, write a letter, light that. a candle, let's go outside, let's give some love to the sun and and be grateful for us having such the personal experience mm-hmm. with him. You know, how lucky are we that we got to know him mm-hmm. so intimately. Um, the little one, Crosswell, you know, he, of course he misses his dad. So I'm like, you know, close your eyes, envision your dad. Yeah. Ask for daddy to come to you in a dream. And so I think it's also, I think, still cultivating a relationship with yes. people that I've passed on is so important. Keeping their name mm. now yeah. is important. Well, and I also think of Nip and how much he's done in his death. Uh-huh. Mm. It's so big. The gift that the purpose still yes. is. Um, and that was genuinely 
his wholehearted purpose, mm-hmm. you know, of what it's still, what his purpose still lives on. And I had to deal with that too, because everyone took it how, you know, hard. And it would be like, well, the kids, you know, yeah. they're taking it the hardest, you know. And I remember hearing that someone's purpose here is much larger than their intimate relationships, right? We are attaching so much to our titles, mom, daughter, Mm. uh, wife, and that your purpose on earth is so much bigger than your titles. It's so true. And and our death is bigger than what people remember your death as. Mm. You know, it shouldn't matter what they called the reason you died. It was your time. It's about everything that led to that, not they died of blah, blah, blah. I mean, I really think it's important that we know, like, not all deaths are equal. We're not going to appreciate, oh, it was their time. Some died tragically, truly, unjustly, traumatically. Not all deaths are equal, but all deaths are accompanied equally by the light. All deaths are welcomed into the light, enveloped from love and knowing and splendor and beauty. And that is our ultimate reality. And I feel like that's the great equalizer in life. That is all welcomed by the light. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm. Nobody leaves alone lonely, scared, isolated, abused, whatever happened, that's done. We have no idea what transpires in that transition. Yeah, I love what you're saying. We're bigger. We are bigger than what people ascribed to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So powerful. I'm going to give that an ashe. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you guys. It's been a good conversation. Yeah. Are we? Is that the closing? Am I now a butterfly from the butterfly? <laughs> You've been a butterfly. <laughs> have I transformed you have been to a butterfly? a butterfly? I think this is called Butterfly Sanctuary. Yes. Come <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, on now. Oh, so good. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. I thank you guys for always being a supportive field and just one big hug all the time. And for your truth and you're just, I'm blessed to know you both. That's mutual. 100%. Love you, Lauren. (laughs) Love you. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find The Butterfly Forecast every Tuesday with a new episode available wherever you do your podcasting. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Hope to see you then. We'll see you next time.